Hi, friends. It's me, Abby Green. I'm so proud to announce my podcast, Sex, Politics, and Bacon. You are going to love it. You'll hear all about my outrageous Abby stories from running with presidents and prime ministers or living in rural villages or about busting drug dealers in New York City or fighting for those incarcerated in Alaska. You'll get to hear from all the crazy characters I've met throughout my adventures. Doctors changing the way we think about vaginas, Olympic martial artists, brilliant lawyers, wonderful criminals, political candidates, and yes, even fire eaters. I've got three amazing co-hosts, which I gathered from the land of misfit toys, and will bring you laughs, perspective, comfort, and hope. If you're feeling overwhelmed and, and like you can't catch your breath, subscribe to Sex, Politics, and Bacon. Find comfort in caring friends, good food, and really, really funny people. I guarantee you will laugh your ass off. I've created some amazing content and I can't wait to share it with you. So subscribe to Sex, Politics, and Bacon. Welcome to Sex, Politics, and Bacon. I'm your host, Abby Green. This week, the thrifty team welcomes rope dart master and hopeless romantic, Frank Hatsis. With a thick Brooklyn accent, Frank tells the tale of forging a way for the ancient Chinese art of rope dart to thrive. His advice in life? Do the right thing consistently and put others first. And I am completely perplexed by the term puppy hammer. Then Becca becomes obsessed with the accurate way to spell a fictitious medical procedure. And we tell the Genesis story of our friendship from way back in the 1990s. Join us as we talk sex, politics, and bacon. I see this pancake I made accidentally today. Is it a bird? It, yeah, it's a shape like a bird, right? But that a bird on accident? That was on total accident. Yeah, a happy accident. Mm, for sure. Mm. Love this one. That was really cool. So, two abbeys. Okay. <laughs> two. Is there two? Yeah, there's so. two. Shield my eyes. Got <laughs> double vision. Sam Squatch is here and muted. Sam Squanch. Sam Squanch. Sam Squanch is here. I want to know some things about butter. And I have clarified. I clarified. I clarified butter. (laughs) We have fun. Um, That Kim's family is from Finland, where they also have lots of opinions about dairy. Dairy. I don't know where that accent came from. But... I hypothesized today that like really good, really flavorful butter, like Kerrygold, like really good Irish butter is kind of a waste to bake with. And not that it would do a bad job, but I just don't think it would highlight the butter. Like it wouldn't be worth it is my feeling. It was expensive. And it's just like, it's like putting ketchup on a filet mignon. Like, why would you do that? You know? And I've even used bad margarine, all that kind of stuff in baked goods. We know vegan baked goods can be really amazing. So obviously. I think there's powdered butter, but I don't think that is a good way to use like specialty craft butters or whatever. So that was my hypothesis. What do I we think, think? Unless you're doing like a specific butter cookie, 
you know, like chocolate chip, other things that's got like, you know, fillings and accoutrement, but like a butter cookie, like a shortbread cookie, maybe I think there could be a flaky factor, a consistency factor. I would have to agree with both of you. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't do much baking. And I guess during the pandemic, I did a little. When, when I made this last cake, I didn't use my fancy butter. That's my feels. I'd like to take a daring stance and make a general sweeping statement that this podcast can be like we are with gravy and be pro-butter. I also support this pro-butter stance. Sweet. Yay! How are we doing? Well, I can tell you what day it is. It is Wednesday, my dude. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Hello, welcome. Duncan and Frank. Hi. Hi. Oh, is Frank here? Yeah, I just came on. Hey, Duncan. You both came on at the same time. I feel like you were hanging out and you're lying about it. No. Hi, Frank. <laughs> hey, hey, how are you? Hi. Buddy, this is my friend, Ab, and my friend, Becca, also known as Sam Squanch. Sam Squanch. Sam Squatch. I don't know. She made it up five minutes ago. There'll be a new one in 10 minutes. Don't overthink it. Squanch. Like from Trailer Park Boys. It's from Trailer Park Boys. It's what they refer to Sasquatch as. Sam Squanch. Oh, okay. I've never seen that before. Do check out. I recommend her ridiculous, <laughs> mind-numbing, dumb foolery. Uh, Frank, welcome. As Thanks. Duncan said, I'm Abby. And this is my friend, Kim. Okay. Hey, how are you? And uh, you spent quite a lot of time both devoting to the martial art of rope art and the flow art and really devoting yourself to spreading that, which is actually how we met uh, as rope art has been for a long time. Very important part of my life, though, obviously, even more so for you. Uh, Frank is the videos that I first learned from, and he was the first person who has really like taught me to do what I do. And I'm very grateful to call him my friend. Uh, and I brought him on here so that you hear about, you know, broke dart and hear it from the man himself. Oh, uh, at the, uh, the Wushu Olympics. So just to, you know, be clear about that. I mean, Bill, that's incredibly ridiculously impressive. <laughs> and I feel like more you... bronzes than I have. <laughs> oh, it's, there was, um, there was really a lot of great, uh, athletes there from all over the world. Uh, the USA team, uh, especially the second time I was there, the USA team did really well because, you know, they do the medal counts and whatnot. And we did we did well in 2012. But in 2014, we really, I don't know, just kicked major ass. Like everybody on the team, I don't know, everybody just kind of pulled it together really nicely. Uh, it, it was awesome. They, they were both great experiences, though, for sure. I guess since you've been in, it seems like for quite a while, like how has that... <laughs> How is that sort of have you how have you seen that that progression of understanding it, how you how you look at it and how others can understand it? Wow. Well, Dartists today have it pretty nice, to be honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of information out there and some of it's good, some of it's great. And it does depend a lot on who you listen to and follow at this point. Like the bigger rope dart gets, it's like there's big Here's in Rotar right now, but it's still very small. And as it progresses and gets bigger, you're going to see more styles come into it. Um, I know that, you know, you kind of want to 
understand it at a most basic level. And I think the easiest way for people who have never heard of the rope dart before to be introduced to it or to think of it is think of it kind of like skateboarding or skateboards in that it was very much an underground subculture thing that slowly over time, like, you know, when you saw the first people doing, you know, the coolest flip tricks with skateboards, it was like, whoa, you know, it, it, how did they do that? It was amazing. It looked like magic. And then you look at the rope dart and it's kind of the same thing. You see people rapping this, that, and they're moving. And it's like, but how did she just do this thing? It came off and it looks like magic. And they both just, again, like skateboarding. So you're like, Seriously, you just think of skateboards and that's the rope dart story, I'm telling you. And I honestly think that rope dart is going to get bigger than skateboarding because it's accessible to more people. Whereas skateboarding, you got to be athletic and, you know, probably young. And, uh, oh, also, I am not, like, I almost don't have the ability to shut up once I start talking about rope darts. So you have to stop me or I have to stop. And if I answer the question already, you have to just be like, all right, bro, okay, okay. And then- No, I, I have the inability to stop talking writ large, um, which is funny because that actually means stop. <laughs> but we will interrupt you anytime. I'm really enjoying listening. Yeah, it, it just has kind of appeal and it's going to have that growth to it where again, it started as a subculture and slowly made it into what's more of a mainstream. And again, even though it's as popular as it is, I don't know how much money it made. Like, is it a billion dollar industry skateboarding? I have no idea. It's got to be pretty big though. And when you think of that... Oh, for, I mean, if you consider the X Games, all of that, anything in that level, right. definitely billion, definitely billion. Yeah, sure. there you go. Exactly. If ESPN so, is involved, you're talking about a billion dollars. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? The real question is, when are we getting the rope dart in the X Games? Well, it might not belong there. It might, uh, and who knows, it, it, it might belong there too. It's really about seeing where it goes. And part of that does take the nurturing of people like you, Duncan, and, you know, maybe me and Sarah and a lot of other people, because it, I don't know, it just has to be taken care of because it's still a baby. And I know it's been around for thousands of, or hundreds of years or whatever it is, a long time. But the modern resurgence of it, if you will, is very much still an infant. And it's been a while, but it's, you know, it, it just has to be taken care of properly. And we'll see where it goes and how it grows. So I have a question. So it's been around, you said, for like hundreds of years. Where did it come from? Like, do you know the... Sure. Um, yeah, I've actually been studying this a lot lately. I have a super awesome project thing. I don't know what to call it that's coming out sometime this year, and I'm not actually going to speak too much on it right now, but it has forced me to analyze and study a lot about the uh, rope dart, even more than I have been. So yeah, there is a, there's a few things. Uh, first off, it is a, uh, a Chinese Kung Fu weapon. That's where and, and it might even pre, there might be something before that, some, you know, so archaic, you know, cave people dwelt like, but the first known references from ancient China, it was a Chinese Kung Fu weapon that was adopted from the bolus. The bolus is 
you know, what people nowadays call a meteor or a puppy hammer, but it's two weights with a, a rope in between them that you would throw that would entangle maybe somebody's legs or a horse's legs or your neck, something like that. And it also evolved or possibly came from something known as the bonefish dart, which, as the name suggests, is in fact a bone that you would throw to catch a fish and pull it in. Similar to um, if you ever saw the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, there's the scene where there's just a spear that hits the fish, right? Okay, now tie a rope to that, and there's your bonefish dart. So there's there's your origin of the rope dart in, you know, maybe, maybe not. It's It's still widely you know, speculated. It's very romanticized, which I like. I'm a very, I'm a very romantic person. I think it's a very uh, important aspect of life that people forget often. But um, are you using it more as a performance or do you use it as self-defense as well? I mean, because it just kind of is like, how do you learn one and not the other? Origin of the rope dart being um, like a utensil that people use for hunting, for warfare, for that kind of stuff was it. And, and I think that a lot of um, ancient rituals uh, in China uh, were ceremonial and artistic. And so like, you know, I, I don't have the right word for it, but they're like the long bows that they do. So there was a definitely warfare aspect to it, but then they had the ceremonial with like the really um, specific uh clothing and you know maybe a music accompaniment so so did ancient china use the rope dart as a performance as well uh great questions and uh yeah the answer is yes it was used as both from a very starting from a very long time ago now it was issued as it turns out because there, there's been some debate whether or not it was used in uh, the military because, you know, there's one book that has an account of its origin, uh, a folklore, you know, hero tale of it being used in a battle. And um, some people widely say that's ridiculous. It, it, why would you ever use a rope dart? It's so not like a battle, like a war battle. And I agree, is it really the place for a rope dart or a meteor but there, there is some things we do know, Abby, and one of those is that, in, um, and I'm going to thank Alexander Petty from the Ravenswood Academy for this, he um, recently came across a manual, a weapons manual, that was issued to soldiers in the 1600s in China, and one of the weapons was, in fact, the meteor hammer that was listed. So here comes the shrug of the shoulders. Okay, so... It is listed in the 1600s as a weapon. It doesn't really make sense as a weapon. So a guy like me is like, you know what? Maybe they had it. Maybe it came out at some point. It's highly doubtful because really what would something, it would be so hard to use in a melee from a distance. You would use a bow and arrow. I can't, I can't picture how it would be a good weapon. I, I picture a specific person that this <laughs> weapon speaks to, or maybe even a, a few people. And this isn't like very crowded warfare. This is like, you know, maybe like sneak attacks or like more smaller missions. So you're not like around a bunch of your people and their people. This is like you or like, I want to say even probably the Vikings use something similar to that because it just seems kind of 
up their alley in a way. I don't. So just you're, you're actually really on the right track with that because, um, and for us, maybe the Vikings did use this. I, I, I don't know, but when it comes to the rope dart, it's more believed that it was used for private guards and escorts because there were wealthy people back then. And the same way, look, if you have, look at the wealthy elite nowadays, do they have bodyguards around them? Yeah. And they all have guns. Do you think that the wealthy elite in China is just like, oh, everybody robbed you? No, of course. You know, the, the way we live today is so similar to the way we lived back then. The only thing that really changed is electricity and technology. You know what I mean? So uh, it's believed So it's that- not so much like battle. It's like, I'm just going to thug fuck you up. <laughs> like, just like, yeah. and it, I mean, thug in like, just like, like KGB, like whatever, yeah. get it done. Yeah, it's a hit. That I find more believable. Right. And I've seen it in like, anime i've seen it in any sort of movie that has like ninjas and there's like this ninja uses a sign and that that's a bow staff and there you got the rope dart person you know like well, we need to see more of that because i don't see too many rope dart people in you know cartoons and movies and whatnot so let's try to do more of that um would be nice but um yeah so uh used for by guards and escorts you know is uh, used as a um, you know peasant class as a, a pocket knife kind of a thing, yeah, a hundred percent. That is um, pretty much probably who used the rope dart more as a weapon. And then you also asked as a performance tool, and you know it was people were busking back then in ancient China. People were using their martial arts skills. You know, look, there was the warrior class and there was the the literate educated class. And in times of uh, peace and there's no war, if you're a, a, a warrior and, you know, you need money, you know, they would bust their martial arts prowess, if you will. So at least that's what the some of the documents are saying. You know, again, I'd like to see more of it uh, where the stuff is getting uncovered, but it, it just it still isn't very much. You know? Yeah, I find I find it especially fascinating. I've moved 53 times, so I've lived sort of everywhere all over the world. and. It's amazing how many things can be a super big deal that you've never heard about. Yeah, so I, I watched it. Like I, when when Abby said earlier today, um, she mentioned rope dart, and I had I had no idea what what she was talking about. Like I'd never heard of it before. And then she sent me like the YouTube video of you doing it, and I'm like, oh man, that's pretty crazy. Like that's I was like, I love this dude. Like <laughs> like this is cool. Like and plus I don't know, like just your um what you were saying like during the video. I think I, I liked that a lot as well. But um, yeah, like I, it's just something I've never even heard of. And like the fact that you're like a badass, like Olympian at it, right? Like it's crazy what you can learn. I was like, I love learning new things. Very curious, very, very cool. And yeah, maybe one day it will be as big as skateboarding. I don't know. I mean, didn't skateboarders start like emptied out like pools? In like the Southern California, right? Like everything's got to start somewhere. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Everything's got to yeah. start. And it's, you know, again, like, uh, and I always told myself this because I've been doing it for a long time. And one thing that kept me going with it is that I convinced myself that every single day, at least, at least one more person heard about the rope dart and is now interested in it. And you proved that today. So, and I thought of that a long, like over a decade ago. So that's still happening. Um, and now I'm actually getting to witness it because I had to go by blind faith for a lot of this, which is huge. Let me tell you, I don't know for 
going to get into, because my wife and I run a business with this, but if you want to get into the business of running a rope dart company, like what the I'm so interested. Yeah. It sounds like to me, sort of like spirituality and marriage and business and life and marriage is a business and like, you know, just sort of all of those things together. It's a lot of shitting where you're eating, to be blunt. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay though, because just be careful, you know, just don't shit on the plate. (laughs) Wise words. Um, So anyway, Kim, did you have any questions based on like, Beck and I have been able to delve a little bit and uh, the other day, Duncan brought his friend, Alan, is that his name? Yeah. And they were talking all kinds of... He's a quite talented fire eater and breather. If you happen to see him, Frank, he's good friends with like Hondro and Zeus and whatnot. Also, before I forget, everyone knows Zeus. <laughs> I yeah, mean, doesn't. I love Zeus and Hondro. Oh my god, it's been a long day. Okay, I cannot laugh at Zeus. You got to give me that, dude. I know who Zeus is. Oh, great god. You've mentioned both the rope dart and the meteor hammer, and it's easy to interchange those terms because they're virtually identical except for the fact that the rope dart has more of a piercing like dart shape to it and a meteor hammer is basically a weight on the end of a rope like a ball weight so stabby and bashy yeah yep. <laughs> i love it stabby and bashy perfect uh and uh i will highlight i've always found it incredibly fascinating and inspiring that you I mean, as you've mentioned, literally brought rope dart to the forefront of things in a way that you had to decipher manuals and books and watch old Chinese like videos that were not in good focus and definitely were not in English and had no form of translation and really brought that into a English speaking format and more of a modern way where people have been able to access it and really jump leagues as far as growth being dartists, you know. The dartist of three or four years ago didn't learn nearly as much as, as the dartist today because there's just so much content online as we're growing. Let me, let me tell you something. If you took a workshop, a weekend workshop with Sarah and I, what you would get in three days, I got in 10 years. And I am not kidding. So there's no question. Like The information is so available nowadays. Um, again, it really does matter who you listen to. I maintain that because uh, there's, you know, again, there's good and there's really good or great. So I, I love watching the growth. That's probably been the greatest um, pleasure and privilege that I've had is that because I've been doing it for so long, I got to watch it unfold almost like a movie or, or a, a good book. And um, I don't know, I'm grateful for it. Having just a, a blind faith to do something is really the key. If there ever was one to go after whatever you want. And I know it's cliche, but you know, things are cliche for a reason, including saying that things that are cliche for a reason. <laughs> it's true. No, um, it's it's absolutely true. And it's it's funny. I think even speaking, you know, I, I talk a lot about language and annoy people a lot with please don't use that word. Please try to use this one. I mean, all of you have seen me <laughs> deal with it. But I do think that. It's interesting that we say blind faith because actually in my mind, it's the complete opposite. Like I agree with the term, but it's like the times where I have just done what I was so apparent, except I didn't want to believe it or didn't was like, that's not logical. But like, it's actually the times I've totally known what was best or what I really needed to do and sort of like had to get out of my own way. And it's funny that we call that blind and yet faith when actually like, it's like, it's actually the easiest thing to say if you just get out of your damn way. Yeah. You know what you're supposed to do. What I used to, and of course, like everything relates to 
silly things with me, but I used to joke that like you had to get drunk to make a real decision. When people would be like, I can't decide. When it's something that's just a 50-50 decision. Like my thing was, I was trying to decide in college and just let you know, I'll leave you with this and then we'll take a little five minute break and come back because I won't pay for Zoom. So it's going to make us take a break, but I think that's a good idea anyway. And I was trying to decide between going to Australia and like partying and having a great time. And you can imagine what Australia is or going to London and like being a grown up and working in parliament and like hanging out with the queen. And it would be really good for my career. And I like couldn't decide. So I went out and got drunk. And then <laughs> me and my friend Jackie, for one reason or another, dumped out all of her change onto her floor. I don't remember why we were doing this. And there was a British pound like sitting middle of the pile. And she just looked at me and was like, you're going to take this and you're going to buy yourself a Guinness in London. And I was like, yes, I am. (laughs) That silly, meaningless thing. Like I was willing to see that as the sign. So I kind of already knew it. So I don't really mean get drunk, but it's almost like get out of your head. This is the least blinding thing ever. It's like unbelievably clear, you know? Yeah, that's actually awesome. Um, I love when things like that happen. They happen all the time. And the more that they happen and you recognize them and you give thanks to them, the more they keep coming. So that's huge. That like I would say that the business that we've been able to build over the years is literally about a thousand stories like that, where you just kind of follow the breadcrumbs and you don't know what's around the corner until you get around the corner. And then you'll once you're there, you see where you have to go next. So uh, I am a believer in that a hundred percent, and I think that everything that we're doing attests to it uh, uh, that it's true to me. And if it isn't true, then I'm just really lucky. Right, and I've been called lucky my whole life. And you reach a point where you're like, "Well, I must have had something to do with it." Because <laughs> like, right? privilege is different. I've been privileged as well. That is different than lucky, oh, wow. you know, as people call it. But so this this is the other question. Um, so one thing I want to ask about: I am a person with disabilities, and many of the things that you know, in the sort of fire and flow community. I, I wonder if that, if people with disabilities have been able to embrace it, whether the things can adapt or you think they will, or yeah, I was just curious. Like I used to be a gymnast. So like so much of it looks so tempting and my body's like, I couldn't move that quickly. That wouldn't be possible. I would hurt myself, you know? Well, gymnastics and flow arts are two very different things. And I mean, I can't do gymnastics. So uh, with regard to um, adaptability, yeah, I think humans are the most adaptable things ever created. And uh, yeah, I think, I don't know what your your limitation is or, you know, and if you wanted to share it, you know, please feel Oh, free. no, I'm very open about it. my right ankle's fused. And over the years and like having a baby and all that stuff, it's sort of, you know, up my body. And basically, I just, I don't have perfect balance, no matter what, like, you know, redoing this part of my house and I have to have grab bars, like, that could see me again, perfectly sober. I fall down. Like it just sort of, you know, my body doesn't have the reaction time it used to. Yoga helps and I'm able to adapt, you know, like, and so we were joking about, I used to do a lot of hula hoop and I guess that's sort of in this world. <laughs> Some people are hula hooping and doing that kind of thing. But I was like, you know, that, that my hips can't do that anymore. I'm curious how I could do it or, you know, and I just didn't know if there is any. Yeah. I would say something, I mean, there are flow art, you know, things that you could spin that like, I'd say that rope dart is a hundred percent the most taxing on the body out of all of them. I mean, unless Duncan, I mean, if you have something that maybe puppy hammer or meteor or something like that. I mean, yeah, they fall into that, but uh, even something as big as like dragon staff, you're really working off inertia more than you are 
the body and like there is a lot of that at play with the rope dart but it is such an intensive cardio thing now that being said that's how we do it and i know me and you we like to go fast because it's fun but yeah yeah. i encourage people like find your own speed and have fun with it it's not about being the fast oh of course not no no it's about having fun and but yeah and and but like you said for guys like you and me it is fun when it's fast like i don't you know, some days we'll be out filming and, um, you know, I get a really good video, but it's slow. And Sarah, my wife is like, what are you talking about? It's not slow. And it's like, yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. I need my stuff to be like stupid, stupid fast because that's how I like it. I don't know. You're Mr. Yeet Meister. You're Mr. Snow. There's the theme song for the episode. Right there. Dude, someone should have written that down. I had an entire <laughs> verse to uh whoop, there it is, but it was while I was changing my kid and I was going, Poop, there it is, poop, there it is, you know, tag team back again. That song. I had a whole friggin' verse. It was amazing. And it was all poop related and it was all true. That's quality toilet humor right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hello, Frank. How are you? Hi, Frank. We're just talking poop. Yeah, I came in at the right time. I mean, so thank you again so much for joining. I'm really curious to hear like sort of what your journey was. And you, uh, Frank, I'm talking to you. Did you meet your wife through this? Obviously, she's also your business partner. Like what what was sort of that journey? And I am a, a very strong feminist. I'm also curious to see any of your reactions to sort of how what it's like to be a woman in this community. Uh, well, I can't really speak on what it's like to be a woman in the community, but I do hope that they feel like they can speak openly about whatever they want. More I specifically, mean, sort of, yeah, your journey and her journey with like, with you. Well, and even just to touch on that a little bit, it was a very uh, male-dominated thing when it first came out. I-, I would say that it was probably about 20 years ago when it really started to resurface again. And for the first five to 10 years of that, it was a very male-dominated thing. And only in the past five, six, seven years, you really saw more of a female population that was really embracing the rope dart, which is great. I mean, it's again, it's for everybody. So there's no reason to not do it as far as I can tell. One of the biggest females out there, uh, in addition to Sarah, of course, is Sam Toby, who's like been getting TV time and stuff and really like bringing wide scale focus into yeah, Sam is definitely uh, doing some amazing things, and she's uh, she's too good. Uh, I'm really I'm really proud of her. Not that you know I I have nothing to do with it, but um, I just love to see it, and um, I think she represents it really well. And she you know I don't know she just she does well with it. I, I like everything she's doing. Hundred and if I didn't like it, she'd probably do it anyway, and that's probably why I love her even more. So there you go. How did you and Sarah meet? Was it flavor related or did y'all just happen upon each other? Yeah, we met because of the rope dart. And it is a really nice story to tell nowadays because I, you know, I know a lot of it's definitely people aren't really meeting each other in the past year or so, you know, because of COVID and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think our story is actually pretty cool. We never, we didn't know each other existed at all. We went to a, Basically, it's like a spinner, flow-friendly dance party 
at a, uh, a venue called House of Yes. Uh, we both went alone. We were both in really bad places in our lives. And, you know, speaking for myself particularly, I went that night. I was like, you know, I'm just going to roll up a fat dude. I'm going to smoke it. I'm going to walk to House of Yes. And I'm going to just rope dart my heart out. And that's, that, that was it. I was like, I'm just going to go rope dart. I didn't know what was going on in my life. I had a lot of things going wrong. Well, not wrong. You know, look, life throws you curveballs, whatever. What are you going to do? I wouldn't even say it was wrong because had those things not happened, I might not have had the desire to go and just rope dart it out, but I did. So I get there and I did exactly what I went to do. I rope darted my heart out and I caught the attention of a little kitty in the corner. I don't know. I mean, as the story goes, she had her jacket on. And I, I didn't know this. This, would, this is what she would say. But she had her jacket on and she was leaving and saying goodbye to people. And she turned around and saw me rope darting and she was enthralled by it. She's like, oh my God. So she quickly took her jacket off to pretend like she wasn't leaving. And then I stopped and I went, there was like a water station at the end of the bar. And I saw a mutual friend of ours, Celia, there. So we started talking. And Sarah was like, oh my God. Uh, you know, that's Celia. She's talking to Frank. They know each other. This is my chance. So she went over just to say hi to Celia, but actually kind of to meet me. And, um, you know. Mastermind the whole situation. Yeah, I tell you, man. <laughs> like, here I am thinking I'm just like, bad fucking ninja. I could just do it. Like, no. And she's just like, hook, line, and sink. It just got me. So, so yeah, she's a hunt. She's a cat, man. That, that's a lion right there, man. She know how to do it. Um Wait, you said hook, line, and sinker. Wouldn't it be like rope, bone? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be rope, dart, and flag. Very rope, bad. rope. But you said it used to be fish bones, no? Yeah, well, bone, fish, and dart are rope, dart, and flag, sure. but They all sound dirty. <laughs> yeah, so that was it. So that's that was her her in. And we, we started talking. And then, um, you know, we only spoke for about a minute or two. And then she hit me up with like a Facebook message and, you know, friend request. Maybe a day or two later. I don't actually remember, but craziest thing. You want to hear the craziest thing though? You really want to hear it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I first was introduced to the rope dart on January 28, 2005. I walked into my martial arts school and my Sifu was playing. I never saw it before in my life. January 28, 2005. That's when I saw the rope dart. Exactly 16 years later on January 28th, 2000 and what, I don't even know what 2016 I met Sarah like literally on the same day 16 years later I think that's cool it's a significant day in your life isn't it yeah. you guys can give me a hand for that if you want yeah rope dart bringing people together um so how did sort of your journey with rope dart and her journey with rope dart go from there and and your relationship together look if you want to get me in bed you better rope dart so that was it. It's just the easy trick to Frank. Are you insinuating there like rope dart sexual positions? Because I'm all ears. I mean, yeah. Look, you you got rope. <laughs> you got a you got the bedroom. It it works, right? I mean, I think there has been some kind of study that happened in the rope dart group uh, from somebody writing their thesis on the overlay of the rope dart community and like bondage and shibari and whatnot, which. It was kind of funny. It turns out rope dart is kind of kinky. Yeah. And it wasn't, it, it, I, the person who did it was Madeline Buquette. And it was a bunch of years ago. 
And, um, you know, it wasn't like, you know, peer reviewed science or anything. It was kind of just like a fun little thing. But as it turned out, I mean, looking at the results, Duncan is 100% correct that rope darts are kinky motherfuckers. So, like, I mean, well, then I like it. For me, it's like, yo, we wrap a rope around us. It's like, what are you fucking stupid? Like, how do you not? <laughs> dude, dude, a dildart, a rope dough. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, you have somebody across the room and, like, you have such aim and it's like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that sound effect. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've done that before. It's like the, the idea of a dildart is actually a pretty old concept. We've done it. It's It makes a very tel- terrible rope dart. I'll tell you that much. Do they call it a dildart? They do oh. now. We Wait a minute. A- time out. Time out. You're just tying a dildo to your um, line? Yeah, a leash, we okay. call it. Leash. Okay. So, like, so you would need a balanced dildo probably sans nuts yes. right or at least Definitely. completely weight balanced nuts 360 degrees of nuts if you will you know, if, if it was like too hollow we need a silicone 3d printer guys oh my god we so do frank is going to be diametrically opposed to this statement everything is a rope dart if you believe i'm i'm, I'm fine with that that's that's good to me like that uh, I remember the time that I did the fucking poster video, which is literally I had a broke poster and was like, this is vaguely like a rope dart. Yep. Doing a video. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think, what did I use? I think I used a toaster too at Burning Man one year. What did I use? Or maybe it was a radio. I don't remember. We got a video of it somewhere. I think I heard this story. I think it was a fucking coffee maker. It was. That's what it was. It was a coffee maker. Yeah. I rope darted with a coffee maker and it was great. <laughs> Made some coffee first, <laughs> and then that was it. Your 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 reputation precedes you. Like he he knew what you had <laughs> rope darted with. Yeah, no, that's what it was. It was a coffee maker. Well, I really want to thank you um, for coming on, and like this is a very fledgling podcast. So I also honestly want to ask you, like, will you come back once for you know? Um, so will you come back? Yeah, I mean, I had yeah. a great time. Yeah, <laughs> good. That's the thing. If I get these ridiculous people together. Uh, and moving 53 times, like I've gathered this ridiculous group of people. And like, what I mean by that is just people that have interesting stories, have something to present to show just something different and interesting. Um, I am like friends with the granddaughter of the person who invented the zipper. Like that is a fascinating story. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, if you live everywhere, you can meet a lot of people. And so um, part of it is just sort of bringing people together. And I would love to hear what is sort of some of your suggestions or ideas or lessons learned or like best practices or whatever about like thinking about how to bring people together and like bring a community together. That's, there's a lot of answers to that question and it's very nuanced, but the easiest way to say it is to just do the right thing long enough consistently. And that'll normally um, yield something good. Uh, put others first uh, before yourself. Even like, it's, you know, it's hard because um, it tests you in ways and it's, it, you know, it's okay to put others first when everything's going really well, but when the shit hits the fan and it's not going well, are you still putting others first? And if you can, if you can figure that, that out, the universe gives you back a lot. Um, for sure. And then I guess my, my final question is like, if someone is just like, just starting to get interested, like just heard about this for the first time, what what should they do next? How do they like, where, where, where do they go? 
Uh, they should go to ropedarts.com. They should contact me or they should contact my wife, Sarah, and we'll hook you up with whatever you need to know, uh, you know, training videos. You know, we have a beginner program that I think is, I, I, I think it's top notch. It took me a long time to develop it. It takes somebody from square one, literally nothing, zero, zilch, nada. And it tells you, I used to be a school teacher, just so you know. Um, that's what my, I'm, I'm a degree, uh, I have a master's degree in science, actually. But um, I was a school teacher. I know how to teach. And the way we break down the rope dart and teach it is unlike what other people, even if you look at old DVDs or videos, these are all just technique-based. What we did is we broke it down to concept-based. What that means is that we don't just show you how to do the technique. We show you why the technique works. So you can take these concepts and you can apply it to anything. So, you know, that that's really, yeah. I mean, if you wanted, if you were a beginner and you wanted to learn the rope dart, I'd say come to us. If you were more intermediate advanced and you wanted to learn more, I would still say come to us. And I'd also say check out Sam Toby. She's got a really good uh, training course that's, you know, has more advanced. A lot of beginners get her course. And I think it's more for intermediate advanced people. I really do. Um, and that's not because she does anything wrong. She teaches phenomenally. It's just some people aren't ready for her, you know, uh, for that level, not for anything, that level of technique. Some of the stuff is considered advanced. And in my opinion, I don't think beginners should be learning advanced stuff. And they can, whatever. I used to say that and people took a giant poop on me for having an opinion on this. But I think if you're a beginner, learn the basics. Don't, you know, why are you trying to run before you can walk? It makes zero sense. And they don't last long. You see it all the time. Person, yeah. you know, first video, check out my sunrise. It sucks. Bad. <laughs> it's really bad. And then you never see them again. But look, I don't want to discourage anybody. Like, that's not why I said what I just said. It's just my opinionated ass. That's about it. Well, I mean, um, you have, you, you know, you have earned the right to have an opinion. That's true, though, with learning an that. instrument. There's I, like I easy that. ways... You can learn an instrument, shortcuts to like learning chords or songs, and you learn things the wrong way. So like what you're saying is you have to learn the basics the right way. So when you do the big things, you're doing it the right way. Oh, yeah, I liked it. Hey, awesome, That's awesome guest, man. Bingo yeah, bongo. Wonderful. Uh, he says thank you and, he, you know, had a lot of fun. Good, good, good. That's what I want. But... I will say this is the point I have to sign off myself. Uh, it's been really fun. I think we had a great interview. Nice right, to meet you guys talking. next time. Love you all. Nice to meet you. Bye. Yeah. Um, what, what have you guys thought, you know, listening to this audio? What have you thought about being introduced to the Fire and Flow community now that you've had some time to reflect on it? I'm with Becca on that one. Okay, try something else. What did, what did you find interesting? My favorite my favorite part of the episode was when Becca was being like, what if there was just a dildo on the end of that? We were just like, boop, boop, pop, like just swinging it around. It was just like going in people's butts. I mean, I didn't say it as funny as she did, but <laughs> that was my favorite. I, that's what stands out to me from that episode. A dill dart, a rope <laughs> dill. A rope dill. Dill dart. Dill. Dildo dart.
dildo dart. Oh my God, it's a thing. Oh, it should be a thing if it's not. That's just my opinion, man. Do you know the movie Half Baked? Yes, I do. So you know the part where he goes, <laughs> Now, like, try to spell bacchiotomy. Back, B-A-C-K-I, bacchiotomy. I'm a shitty speller. Well, like, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on, like, the otomies. I I think it's O-T-O-M-Y. But the backy, I'm like, is that a C-K-I? Is that a C-K-Y? Is that a B-A-C-K-E otomy? You know, like, and then I'm like, why am I thinking so much about a fake procedure? (laughs) Because I was trying to write it out. I was trying to write out bacchiotomy. Just just today. And I was like, that's a weird thing to be like, should it be this difficult to spell a fake word? And I'm glad to see that you're struggling too, Kim, because makes me feel better. <laughs> She's seen the movie Half-Baked and she was like, affirmative. And then I was like, so you know the quote, doctor says I need a bacchiotomy. <laughs> and she said, of course. And I said, spell bacchiotomy. So I'm presenting you with the same task. Spell bacchiotomy. B- Bacchiotomy. Please use it in a sentence. No, you just did. B-A-C-K-I-O-T-O-M-O-N-Y. So you would see B-A-C-K-I? Bacchiotomy. Yep. Bacchiotomy. Okay. Because I was trying to write it out today and I was having trouble because I was like B-A-C-K-E-O-T-O-M, whatever, you know, otomy. And Mm -hmm. um, I just gave up because I didn't have any room. I didn't have enough room for Mm -hmm. doctor says I need a bacchiotomy. But then I just was like, how would you spell that fake thing? And why am I spending so much time trying to figure out how to, you know, concern that I might misspell this fake word wrong? (laughs) Why would I be concerned? But I was. That's life. That's you. Twenty-five, please. Put the key on. I have stories. Maybe we just do our sh- silly bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know silly. what you're talking about. Everything that I say is gold. Silly bullshit. <laughs> silly bullshit. Silly bullshit. <laughs> My life I still want Becca to tell the story of how we met. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't I think, think that's going to be... I mean, like, because that's kind of hazy, man. This is a lifetime of, this is like, I've been smoking longer than I haven't. No, I know. But like, you know, who brought the loser? I like. <sighs> oh, I don't. So I, I, we lived on the same floor. I'm a big old loser. So I have trouble making friends. <laughs> it's like not natural. I don't have any idea about like what what the kids are into when the kids are into it i get into things like 20 years later like just now i'm like wow avatar the last airbender was a great cartoon (laughs) it's like 20 years old it's like okay so um i don't know like you live down the hall but the show of 
other teenagers' lives was 90210. Dunk, no, uh, Dawson's Creek. Uh, uh, with, yeah, Josh, blah, blah, blah. Vanderbeek. Vanderbeek, yes. There's like a Lady Joey. I don't even know about anything about that, but I thought 90210 was the thing. Because I remember everybody being all like, ooh, it's the last 90210. And then like, you know, we interrupt this monumental 90210 episode for Columbine live as it unfolds. Oh, wow. Really? Is that what happens? Uh, that's my no. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> We're sitting in the dorm rooms watching. Okay, that totally happened, but you're you're putting like four different stories in together. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was referring to was the first time that I really remember hanging out with you. It was you, me, Stacy, and I think Aaron in Stacy's room. And yeah, somebody wanted to watch Nato 2 and 0 and they turned it on and it said like next on Dawson's Creek. And I was like, Dawson's Creek. And Becca goes, Oh, you did tell me this. Yeah. yeah Becca goes, what's Dawson's Creek? And I said, Oh my God, who brought the loser? <laughs> did you even say loser? I almost want to say you were like dumb girl who brought the cool kid. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah no, with brought- such vitriol. Like, right, but like, Obviously, now you know me. That's just, I am a jerk, but I'm kidding. But at that time, Becca did not find it funny. I did not know this. She wasn't psyched about being called. I think I called you a loser. I don't know. Oh, who brought the cool kid? I might have said that. Right. That's what I just said. But in like a not nice way. Yeah. yeah, In a very mean way. Like, you totally didn't mean I was cool. (laughs) Right. But also like a completely sarcastic way. Mm. That's not how it came across. Of course not. Anyway, so so Becca's like, I don't like her, right? And then well, just because like she doesn't like me, I don't like she has she knows nothing at all about me other than my one thing that I said out loud in this <laughs> hangout was what's Dawson's Creek? And you're gonna judge me because I don't know popular television. Yeah, like, totally. I don't need that shit in my life. Bye, <laughs> bitch, bye, bye, bitch. So long. But uh, so I, for me, the most interesting part about meeting you is finally realizing how, like, almost we met a hundred times. We almost met a hundred times. Like, um, because you guys grew up in like the same vicinity, right? I mean, like, yeah, like southern, yeah, southern New Hampshire. So, like, I live, (laughs) I moved out of the town she moved into for the rest of her life like the year before she moved there. So I never knew she was there, but she didn't move in until after. And then I went to a high school that her mom eventually, like the year I left, her mom started teaching in. So I never had her. It's just like these, ha- like just passerby kind of things almost like. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what would have been, I think fate wanted us to be friends. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, yes, Southern New Hampshire. I mean, I can do the joke where I can find anyone from New Hampshire and within two degrees, find someone that yeah. knows one another. Uh-huh. But this was that much more in that she lived on my street and yeah. moved off the year we moved on. <laughs> like, you know, that and, yeah. and, and the school that she's talking about was very small. So like my mother was like, oh, yeah, everyone said there was a couple of students that went to Northeastern. And um, she's like, yeah, my, my, my daughter's new best friend is named Becca. And everyone's like, oh, Becca. <laughs> like she's, yeah, she's, she's, she has her own drummer or whatever that is. <laughs> and I was like, that she does. <laughs> and 
we discover this one night. We're sitting on Becca's bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know this kid? You lived on, <gasps> no way. You went to this high school, do you know? And like what feels to me, mid-sentence, Becca's like, yeah, I go to sleep now and puts in her <laughs> headphones, puts on her eye mask and like lies down. Like I'm mid-sentence. And I'm like, well, fuck this bitch. <laughs> Like, that's how you say goodnight to me? Like, who are you? Right? Yeah, like, I have trouble rude. making friends. That is like halfway through. Like, <laughs> like, the, like, to me, it was like so exciting. Like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Look at all these things we share in this scary... To you know, be fair. You're an idiot. Well, yeah, but also, I didn't know that you could finagle your college schedules so that you never had to get up before like 11. And that quarter <laughs> i had all early classes all of them getting in the morning you're an idiot again and idiot. i don't do well without no. sleep and, and you know my best friend we have weird sleep habits the one friend that i had you know like <clears throat> do not interrupt her sleep she needs like 10 hours of sleep that's how she would go to sleep or i like boom it's bedtime good night i think also <laughs> my best friend from high school, Rachel, who we've talked about before, and uh, you might recall, Kim, that uh, that's how I met Bretty and Alyssa. Yes, yes. She had a tendency, same thing, like at like 9.01, she would just fall asleep. It just would happen. Like we would all be at a party and you just find her in a room, like asleep in someone's bed or or sitting in a room crying, but that's a different, a different <laughs> thing. So I think I also got annoyed with it because I was like, you're just going to go to, and also it's so hard for you <laughs> to go to sleep. That I, you know, I'm sure it was all those things. But anyway, I was yeah. like, that chick is rude. Like, at least be like, hey, you know, I'm kind of tired. Like, I think, and it was just like, nope, bedtime. And you know what? It was a relief learning that there's actually a term for that. Is there? It's called the what Irish. It? It's called the Irish goodbye. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> if you leave a party without telling people, you go to bed without telling people. Like, yeah, Irish goodbye. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I'm sure it has to do with, you know. So prior to you joining, we were talking about how Becca and I met. And so we had already established that Becca and I were, you know, high, hanging out, whatever, sometime. And there was a reference to Dawson's Creek. And Becca said, what's Dawson's Creek? <laughs> And I turned, I turned to Becca and said, who brought that cool kid? And this is like weeks into freshman year of college, which was probably the most comfortable I've ever been. I don't think Becca was feeling the same way. <laughs> and then another instance, I was talking to her and we realized that we, uh, she lived on my street, but moved when I'm, when I moved there. She went to this high school where my mother had just started teaching right after Becca had graduated. We just had all, she knew who I bought my car from. Like we just had all these very specific small world situations. And like mid sentence, Becca was like, I go to sleep now. And she put in her headphones <laughs> and just like lay down. And I was like, that's a rude bitch. So <laughs> just bringing you up to speed. So I'm like, that Becca bitch is a bitch. And Becca's like, that Abby bitch is a bitch. And this woman, Stacy, is like, comes home from class one day and is like, Abby you have to be friends with Becca. And I'm like, no, she's a bitch. And she's like, no, she is so funny. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, you should have seen her in class today. <laughs> I wasn't there. So I need Becca to describe what happened because it might be the source of our friendship. Is this the falling down story? <laughs> I, think 
I technically think you fell up, but sure, you tell me. Right. I mean, it's like, it's one of those, like, as seen on TV, university scenes <laughs> on, where the, the seats are like, just like essentially big stairs. So you like, you walk up all these friggin' stairs <laughs> in front of everybody because they're all sitting down and just watching everybody walk in, obviously. And I fall up the stairs, first class. <laughs> First day, freshman, like just fall right up them stairs. Yep. Man, the start. Just loudly and obviously, and just and then like, just. Casey's like, no, but it's the way she fell. Like <laughs> yeah. she started to fall, and I think her crock fell off, and I think her pants started to come down. <laughs> yeah, like, yep, yep, yep. She was like clearly mortified, but also so funny in the way she like reacted, and so apparently Stacy was like, "Oh, you can come sit with us." <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh god from that me being like okay i'll give her another chance if she knows how to fall awesome <laughs> i don't know why that worked but then a i don't even remember beyond that we just became best friends well after that basically. Adam, i can explain what happened you fell for becca <laughs> I hey felt, but i snapped and did finger guns after i said that. Mm. i fell for one of the cool kids <laughs> and it was interesting actually reflecting at my wedding, which is another story. Uh, I was going to give a speech about the fact that almost all of my best friends, like all of my bridesmaids, I did not like, and they did not like me when I first, we first met. <laughs> it's weird. Some of my best friendships that worked that way, except for Alan, Alan and me were immediately. Um, yeah. Like we, no, the stepbrothers moment, they hated each other first anyway. But we just immediately had the, did we become best friends? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that our, Becca and my situation was short-lived. We weren't, I think, during the first four years of college as close as I would, I think, that we would have liked because we had to go through that live with people you shouldn't live with phase. <laughs> and I also was moving every three months to different parts of the world. So I feel like the correct term is hobosexual. <laughs> I love it. Hobosexual. Thanks for listening to Sex, Politics, and Bacon. For more information about Frank Hatsis, check out ropedartacademy.com. Join us next time when we talk to an extraordinary immigration attorney with his own unbelievable American origin story involving the Secret Service, a Russian lawyer, and a Western Union receipt. I met this guy. I was born in Nigeria, so I was a first year. So he was a senior. And then, and then one day he called me. I'm like, hey, John, I need, there's a package I'm expecting. Can you receive that to me? I'm like, sure. You know, I, I didn't know I was doing something. I didn't know he was sending me something illegal, right? Oh. But um, yeah, so that is how I get involved with them, Secret Service. Until then, take care of you. Can you say, can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. See you next time.